field. That one stalled to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. Hi, Red Sox fans. Welcome in. Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, Jared Scally here taking you into another off-season edition. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. If you can rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, that would be awesome as well. Uh, just because we love, honestly, we love the attention. And, and we'll bring it to you anywhere we can take it. Um, big week this week, guys, in the off-season for the Red Sox. Um might as well have been Super Tuesday for the Red Sox because of what they did uh, last week. And, of course, Jess, it happened right after, the day after we did the show. Um, <laughs> but I think the big news, and everyone, I know the two of you want to talk about it, the fact is the Red Sox got Chris Sale, finally. My God. Yeah. <laughs> did we exp- I mean, we were sitting there talking on the show last week, and we were talking about like potential guys to get. We didn't even mention his name. I I didn't expect to get him at all. I thought that. He was totally going somewhere else or staying. I I was shocked. Yeah, I thought he was a lost cause after the trade deadline when it was asking price was really high and the whole I'm going to cut up uniforms kind of thing maybe kind of swayed us the wrong way with him. But it was completely out of the blue and completely unexpected. It was just, I mean, I found out through our Red Sox chat, Jess. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to find out. I think it was Mike, right? I think Mike. It was Mike and then Nick lost his mind. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, I look, but I mean, when, when like when we found this out, because we, like you said, guys, like we all thought this wasn't going to happen. You know, we all thought if it was going to happen, it would have been at the trade deadline. And then they started asking for Mookie Betts and Ben Attendee and then some. And no one would have thought that we would have got Cristel at this point, especially for who you get for him, because you only have to give up Moncada basically out of all this. Now I know there are other pieces to it, but. And then on top of it, you didn't give up anyone on the major league roster. So, for me, this is a no-brainer. And anyone who thinks the, I mean, obviously the White Sox won this deal for what they're looking for because they clearly are rebuilding and just they can't stand Chris Sale anymore. But anyone that thinks the Red Sox lost this deal by any means is really just a prospect head and can't get their get their rear ends out of the AAA because there's no way in in, in heck that the Red Sox lost this trade. Yeah. I'm- I was, I was just, just going to say, I mean, we all know how much I loved Moncada and how much I was like vouching for him. And I know the trade deadline in, in July, I was like, oh, we should, if we had to choose one Benintendi or Moncada to get rid of, I chose Benintendi. But, you know, after watching Moncada play and kind of seeing how he's not, I mean, I didn't expect for him to be developed, but just to see like he just didn't look confident or comfortable at all and I'm totally okay with him being gone with who we got in return. And he's not really the best part is he's not, he's not a rental pitcher. We have him for three years. So, you know, he's not under our control for this season. He doesn't have an opt out after this season. It's, it's pretty set in stone with what we have with him. Yeah. I mean, at Kopech, he could definitely be a good pitcher. Then again, the Red Sox haven't had a pitcher from the minor leagues do 
come to the majors and be good since Clay Buckholtz. So how, I don't know how much you can, how much stock you can put into that. And yeah, Ankata, yeah, I mean, obviously we paid a ton of money for him, what, $63 million or whatever. And he's obviously supposed to be really good, but I know most people weren't impressed with what they saw. And um, you know, maybe he lacks the discipline that he's going to need. Maybe he's going to be a huge bust. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But to give up those guys... And like you said, Jared, give up no major league talent when they're talking about bets, Ben and Tendy, who knows, maybe even Bogarts, like all those guys, to not give up any of them and to get a 28-year-old pitcher who's been the top six in Cy Young all five years of his career, it's a steal. Yeah, and I was one too, Lauren, that you, like you said, I was one that Ben and Tendy was the first one out the door for me. You know, you looked at Moncada, what he could have done, what he potentially is projected out to be. But then after they made the deal, I really thought about it. What if they didn't make the trade that Hanley was involved in for Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell, you know, because of what Hanley was projected to be? Um, same situation. Hanley became a budding superstar. Of course the Red Sox would have loved to have Hanley in his prime. Obviously they have him now, but of course they would have loved to have him when he was blossoming. And maybe, who knows, maybe the, the, the personality issues wouldn't have been a thing with Hanley if he was here the whole time. So, but you don't know. And Moncada is going to be good someday, I think, in this league. You know, but you don't know. And anyone who says this deal was a bad deal... It's just too heavy on the prospects. And, guys, I think there are a lot, a lot of people in this area of, in route for the Red Sox who care too much about prospects. I understand the Red Sox have always had the, one of the better farm systems, but that's the point. They always have a good farm system. It's just because they made this deal and, and got rid of their top prospects doesn't mean in three, four years when these, some of these contracts are up and they have to worry about them again, doesn't mean they're not going to have more prospects there. Like, it's a continuing thing that they're, they're not bad at drafting like they're going to get more guys in here they're going to replenish their farm system who knows they'll probably get someone for clay buckles if they finally trade the guy um and they're going to be fine and maybe in this year they're going to stop talking about it because chris Hale and the red sox are going to win this year not the whole thing maybe but they're going to be a good team again and when the red sox are good and people are watching and rooting for this team they're going to forget about the prospects that you shipped out the door to get chris Hale because of what he's going to do for you exactly nobody cares about prospects when the team's playing well, and obviously they expect success in Boston, so they're not gonna they're not gonna pay attention to that. And I mean, it's just I like what you brought up the Hanley thing. And even though Hanley was really good in his career, weren't you guys still happy they made that trade? Because I sure was, and I know most people were. Because even though he was great, Josh Beckett was huge for us, Mike Lowell was huge for us, and people were okay with it. And then hey, we got Hanley anyway. So it's like even though he was a stud, people were still fine with it. So if Chris Sale pans out in any way, shape, or form like we expect him to, nobody's going to care if we got rid of Moncada, no matter, you know, even if he is like a Hanley player. Right, and the thing is, I think there was so much hype around him because he is the number one prospect in all of baseball. It wasn't just the Red Sox farm system. It was, you know, all of baseball, and that's a huge thing. And I think so many people got wrapped up in that and just kind of got wrapped up in his his title of number one prospect. So they were like, oh, why would you give up that for Chris Sale? Or it's like why wouldn't you give up that for Chris Sale? Like, we don't have a solid ace. We don't have, you know, a really... We have seven starting pitchers and five starting rotation spots, so... And Chris Sale's obviously going to take one of those. Like, why Why wouldn't you take that offer when it's on the table? Now, do you guys have any concerns, obviously, with David Price and everything, but do you have any concerns if he can't fit in Boston? No. I think he's going to fit right in. You know, he's got, you know... He's got the feist to him. I, I hope he doesn't cut up any uniforms here because I like I the do. throwback oh my ones God, that I they wear. I love it. I hope he does it. Oh, my God. I hope he does it. I don't, I don't want him to do that. I, he could threaten it, but I don't, I don't want him to. I like the throwback uniforms. I like when they do that kind of stuff. But I think he's got kind of that 
edge and that attitude that that they've been missing and that they need, especially with David Ortiz not being on the team anymore. They need that kind of strong voice. And I really feel like he's going to be the one to do it because, you know, we saw in the beginning of the season when Adam LaRoche retired, he was not afraid to voice his opinion. And that's the kind of person they need in, in their clubhouse. Yeah. I'm not worried about him necessarily. I mean, yeah, it's a little concerning that he hasn't made the playoffs yet. Maybe. Or that could be completely opposite, not a concern at all, because he could flourish in it. We don't know that yet, obviously. But just seeing how he's pitched in his career and that he does have that attitude, I think that that's good for Boston. I think that he'll be good. He said all the right things. Yeah, I know you can say whatever. But he said all the right things when he got here. You know, he's like, I don't care who you call the ace. I'm just here to win games. You know, he just looks like he's just planning on fitting in. He's excited to get out of a place where winning has not been happening. And I think that's... All signs point to him, him being good because I don't, you know, he's he wants to win. He hasn't won yet, so he's here to win, and I think he'll do that. Okay, so going into next year, um, it's pretty obvious to me that Dombrowski didn't have confidence in anybody in that rotation. And if he felt that even with those guys from last year, that the top pitcher like Chris Sale was a priority, which he clearly was. Clearly, Dombrowski doesn't have confidence, obviously, in Price and what he can do in the postseason, but. I don't even know if he has that much confidence in Porcello either. No, I think he does. I think um, I think getting Sale was a statement, you know, more sort of price than the rotation. I know the rotation was really rocky towards the end of the year with injuries and swapping out this pitcher for that pitcher, putting that pitcher in the bullpen, and it was kind of a mess. But, you know, when you have somebody where you're paying $217 million to – who is supposed to be your ace, who's supposed to be this dominant pitcher, and he didn't perform up to standards last season, and you go out and get another ace, I think that's saying that you don't have confidence in your ace you have now. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, you you can never have enough pitching because, as we know, pitching wins, and even if you have a ton of pitchers, still stuff happens that's bad. So I think that's the first thing. You can never have enough pitching. But, yeah, I think that it's totally totally a confidence and uh, slap in the face for, for Price because <laughs> we signed this big dude, dude ace, one of the best pitchers in the league, $7 million, and then you have to go trade for another one of, like, equal, supposedly equal caliber, same same hand they throw with just a year later. That's not showing very much confidence in him, and for good reason. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have the balls of an ace. He didn't have the temperament for an ace. He didn't win the big game like an ace. So it makes perfect sense to me. In terms of Porcello, I think that I think he has confidence in Porcello because why wouldn't you after the season he had? I think he more just thinks that, you know, instead of expecting 22 wins, wins out of him, maybe like 14 or 15, like it's been more on par for his career. Who knows? Maybe he'll be incredible again. I have no doubt that could happen, and I want it to happen. I think it will happen because I love him, but... He's probably thinking in terms of, oh, maybe 14 or 15 wins, and then, you know, who knows what Price does, and then he has Sale to back it up there. So I think it's definitely, I agree with Lauren, I think it's more of a hit on Price because he was supposed to be the ace, even though Porcello was the ace and won Cy Young. So I think I think it's definitely kind of a, a wake-up call for Price. I think it has to be a wake-up call for Price because if you look at it right now, you could arguably say Price is your third guy in the rotation just based Absolutely. off of, you know, like, I mean, he's reigning Cy Young Award winner. Chris Sale, and then, you know, it just it is what it is. So, for me, I, I think Chris Sale automatically jumps up to being your number one, like, no questions asked, just based off what he does and everything like that. Plus, I don't think Price wants to be your number one, so um, <laughs> kind of a nice trade-off there. Um, 
And of course, no no shocker here, guys, that he was the first one to welcome him on Twitter um, to Boston, saying, "Can't wait to have him." <laughs> shocker. Like, shocker there. Um, one thing that really got to me was the Ortiz post, Instagram post about. I know he was kidding, but like that small window of hope stayed open when Ortiz posted that post on Instagram about, "Oh my, Boston traded for Chris Sale." Oh, now you got me thinking. Like that small sliver of window stayed open for me when he posted that on Instagram. I, I thought it was so funny. It's um, just reading it. I just like read it in his voice, especially when he was like, my God, like I could just see him just kind of like, I can just see him finding out about sale the any way that we did. Just kind of scrolling through Twitter, finding out through somebody. He's just like, my God, like you guys got me thinking. And I'm like, oh, don't get us thinking because you're thinking like, don't do that to us. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Why, why wouldn't he feel that way? He, he retires after a really good season. The team gets to the playoffs, 93 wins. And then he retires. And then, Hey, you got Chris Sill, by the way, of course he's going to be like, Oh man, why didn't, why didn't I stay this? Now we've one of the best pitchers in the league. Like, this is great. Of course he's going to think that. And I'm sure it makes him want to come back. And I'm sure, 75% of him wants to come back. It's the 25% of his feet that doesn't want to come back. <laughs> you know, maybe he'll come back later in the season and be like, I'm back, guys. I don't think he will because of the whole retirement uh, year-long thing that he did. But, of course, he's going to think about coming back. He's going to be bored at some point. He's going to like not know what life's like without baseball, and he's not going to like it necessarily. And uh, so when you see something like Chris Sale, of course you're going to be thinking. Well, you guys, you also talked about um, you guys just mentioned just the whole, like, they got me thinking, he coming off retirement. This team's loading up. Like, this team's not kind of just trying to kind of coast by like Ben Charrington would have back when he was still here. It's, you know, you, you trade Travis Shaw, you go get Tyler Thornburg for the bullpen. That sh- potentially shores up a bullpen arm. Um, then you then you do the Chris Taylor. Then you sign Mitch Moreland to a one-year deal to get a gold glove first baseman in here to let Hanley DH full-time. So that means they're banking on Pablo. But go back to the Tyler Thornburg deal for a second. I think it's a really good deal. I think that the way it worked out, Travis Shaw isn't much. You know, like, we all love Travis Shaw. It became a thing because Jerry Carabas started mayor of Ding Dong City. But, like, other than that, what what was Travis Shaw? And I was a big Travis Shaw advocate, but he didn't do anything. And the way Pablo Sandoval is looking right now with those pictures that are surfacing, he looks really good. And I think with the comments he made with, with, with what he was saying, too, about how, you know, I hit a dark stage, I'm, I'm rejuvenating my baseball career, I'm here to prove what I am and what I can do on the field all over again, I'm here to hit the reset button, basically, is what he said. I'm okay, and, I, and you guys know I'm a Pablo guy, but I'm okay to give him a shot at third base and see what happens after that, because it seems like, to me, he actually is is all in this time and ready to kind of gung-ho and see what Hanley did as a resurgence here and come back and really push for that, which would be awesome. What I don't get about these guys is why can't they just do it in the first year? Why does Hanley need an off year so then he can go <laughs> you me. Be, be, become a comeback player? And then Pablo has to be terrible, then get injured for a whole year, and then go, oh, man, I was complacent, man. Why didn't I play well? Okay, now I'm going to play well. Like, go can't you do it the first season? You got to pay all that money. Like, come on. <laughs> it didn't even bother me until right now, and I just got really angry about it because it's like it, you come here, you just get all, all that money. I know Boston's a tough place, but, like, getting complacent? Like, what are you you're, – you're, like, in your prime of your career, and you're signing with a new team, one of the best franchises in history. You get all that money, and then you get complacent? Like, what, what are these guys doing? What are they thinking? I'm sorry, but if I'm getting paid in a new city, all that money, a new job, new place, new people, like – I'm going to kick ass at what I do. I'm not going to try to be like, eh, I'll like kind of coast through my first year, see how, if I like it. Like, no, like yeah, come you have, on. you're getting paid millions. Like, do you know what I would do to get paid millions? Like 
just for one day, let me have your job. And <laughs> if I can do it better than you for the first day, then I'm just going to take it. It just, it just blows my mind that these people, like, you know, they're close to our age, if not, some are younger, some are older, but they're very close to our age, and it's like, I'm pretty sure you didn't, like, no matter if you play a sport, no matter what job, like, you don't just take your salary and run away with it, you just, you still have to work. It's not like Sandoval, some 60-year-old who's like, oh, man, I've been at it for 45 years, man, I'm getting tired, I'm gonna get complacent. What's that crap? Come on! <laughs> I think he just years old. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Get off the food, get on the field, do your work. I'm glad that he wants to do well this season. I'm all for that. I hope he has a handy like season, but do it from year one. Come on. I look uh. at I look at this team. It's it's frustrating because I know a lot of people don't want to bank in Pavel Sandoval, but trading away Travis Shaw for Tyler Thornburg makes sense for this team, right? It's not like it's a bad deal, right? You're bringing in a guy who eventually goes into your eighth inning. Carson Smith becomes your seventh inning. You just lost Koji to the Cubs, um, which, again, isn't really a huge deal because he's old. But like ancient old, um, but Tyler Thornburg can slide right in and really help this team next year. And a lot of AL execs around this winter meetings that just happened were saying that the Red Sox are the team to beat hands down with the deals that Dombrowski made this on Tuesday. Yeah, I apologize. I kind of uh, kind of went off topic there. <laughs> I kind of just <laughs> ran right away from Thornburg, so I apologize for that. So yeah, Thornburg. Um, yeah, good trade. I mean. Shaw was good. He hit 16 homers. You know, he was a serviceable player, but average is too low. And usually when guys have low averages, that doesn't really get better as they get older necessarily when it's not, when it's that low, when it's like the 230, 240. So I'm okay with it. The offense is going to be pretty good. I mean, you have to lose Ortiz, and that's going to make a bigger difference than people think. But, you know, we do have people like Mookie Betts, Bogarts, Pedroia, Sandoval, blah, 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 down the line. You know, you got all those guys. So I think the offense is going to be pretty much fine and to be able to just get rid of Shaw and a couple minor leaguers although Dubon was good but to be able to get a guy like Thornburg I and mean, who really knows what he's like because he was in Milwaukee and nobody knows anybody about anybody in Milwaukee but he had good numbers last year so I guess we'll just hope it translates here he's a little bit of a risk but if he's even remotely good Maybe even if Smith pitches the eighth and uh, Thornburg pitches the seventh that could be good it's never you know it never hurts to have relievers we know that yeah I mean Jess I think you completely nailed it right there with Thornburg you know it's I think it's a very good trade you know there wasn't a whole lot of room for Shaw here there were questions going in like where he would go with you know Sandoval coming back to reclaim third base and especially with Mancata getting shipped out of here too it's kind of a guaranteed thing at this point like that that's his position and that's what he's going to do so I but I do think it's a Good trade. Dombrowski was very busy last week, and I really think he made the best of it. I think this guy's going to be really good. Like you said, he's a setup man. He's going to come in in this the eighth. And I mean, I don't, I didn't know too much about him. I heard the name, but it, I wasn't familiar with him. And I think he's going to fit in great here. I think he's going to be great for the bullpen, great for the team, and great for that World Series 2017 championship team. <laughs> it's already starting. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad enough that she's going on a truck day already. Um, hey, you know she's predicting that again. <laughs> of course she is, because it came predicted the last like, season. Yeah, it's going to be I'll, less. I'll likely. get it right one year. Well, I mean, it's more likely to happen next year than it is last year. So, I mean, you might as well uh-huh. go for it at this point. Um, that being said, one thing that intrigued me this past this last couple of days too that kind of came up um, was the fact that Dombrowski said, I don't even, it must have been today, I, I don't know when it came up, but he didn't want to trade Swihart. Like, he, like, downright refused to trade Blake Swihart. 
Um, I, I read that article today, actually, and I found it interesting because I feel like he'd be good trade bait, but right now he's, you know, he's coming off injury and coming off surgery. So maybe he refused to trade him because he kind of wants to build his value more. And we know that he's a good catcher and he can play the outfield, but also with Swihart, him being a catcher, he's really, he's, he's pretty good at hitting, you know, and you don't get that often in a catcher. So you know, maybe he doesn't have, there's so many scenarios with this. Maybe he doesn't have confidence in the catchers where he wants to build up Blake Swihart. Maybe he's building his trade value, or maybe he just has so much faith in them that he wants to keep him in the system, whether that's an outfield or a catcher. So, I mean, it, it was really interesting that he wasn't, like, he just straight up refused to, to trade him because he's a very valuable player, I think, anyway. And, you know, he can play kind of like a ball cult. He can play outfield, he can play catcher. You could probably put him in the infield somewhere. And Jombrowski's like, no, nah, we're not getting rid of him. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. Um, you would have thought that he'd be at least in talks, even if he didn't necessarily trade him. So I'm a little surprised about that. I mean, yeah, he's a good hitter, and he showed some promise. And obviously the ability to switch positions, you know, learn left field pretty quickly. He looked a lot better than Hanley did after about three days in the outfield. So I think that he's he, he has the ability to go to different positions because most catchers wouldn't go to left field, but... You know, the fact that he did move to left field kind of makes his value as a hitting catcher not as good because, well, now he's not, he's not a catcher anymore necessarily. So, I don't know. I think that's a pushing a little bit far to refuse to trade him. I think that if you got the right deal with him, I don't know why you wouldn't. Maybe he is really good. Maybe I'm totally wrong about him, but that, that confused me a little bit. And I'm a guy who likes Blake Swart. I think that his versatility would be good for this team, but I, a lot of people view him in a very high light. So, I, I can't imagine you couldn't get even the prospects to replenish your farm system for him. I know he's young, um, and he's considered really a prospect himself, but you could get something for Blake Swart, I think. So I can't imagine why he would sit here and say that um, he's untouchable, really, by any means. That's really how he worded it, that Blake Swart was untouchable, um, without saying the word untouchable, which is ridiculous. So I can't imagine that if the right deal came across, he might kind of back up, back on his words and actually give him, a, give him up. But um, I was shocked that he wasn't in the Chris Sale deal. Um, because I know that name came up. JB, we didn't trade JBJ for Chris Sale. Like, there was a lot of names that I was surprised didn't come up um, that didn't that didn't have to go out, which is nice. Um, fans, don't forget, of course, this show is brought to you by our good friends at Audible. And, of course, as well, our good friends at Omaha Steaks. If you're struggling to find the perfect gift for someone who has it all, the holidays are fast approaching now only a week, two weeks away, really. Order gifts for everyone on your list with the click of a mouse. If you're, if you're, if you're slacking on the gift giving like some of us are, I won't name names, but myself. Um, <laughs> Omaha Steaks is the place to go. It, it's, all, it's a great deal. Um, you're going to get a bunch of uh, good quality food in one box. It's going to come to you. It's going to be great. Um, I know the three of us had uh, Omaha Steaks delivered to us, and, guys, it, it was a phenomenal thing. And uh, best part about it was being able to just kind of put the steaks on the grill and, and, and go to town. It was awesome. Yeah, Christmas is coming up less than two weeks. And uh, if you're like Jared, you got to get out there and, uh, and find your gifts. So we made it nice and easy for you. Just just put that number put that number uh, in and the code and boom, present's done. And you can get that for a lot of people. You, you can get it for mom, dad, brother, sister, aunts, uncles. Like, you can just get it for anyone. So As long as, as, you, long as they like meat. Absolutely. So if you want to, <laughs> like, just bang out everybody on your Christmas list with just a giant box of meat, like, Omaha Steaks is perfect for this. 
<laughs> and it's a, it's a great deal. Again, like I said, if you're looking for that perfect gift, let us tell you about the Omaha Steaks and how for only $49.99, you can get the family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter that promo code, like Jess mentioned, which is SOCKS, S-O-X, in the search bar, and you're going to get a 77% savings. Let me list now. I'm going to list everything that's in there. So Omaha Steaks is giving that exclusive savings just to our listeners, and you can listen to everything right now, what's going to be in there for $50. It's two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, a 12-ounce package of all-beef meatballs, four potatoes over tongue, four caramel apple tartlets, an Omaha Steak seasoning packet. Plus, don't forget, you're going to get four additional kielbasa sausages for free. And who doesn't like free on top of a great deal already? So go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code SOCKS in the search bar, add that family gift pack to your cart and get the 77% savings. You're going to get it on time for Christmas, and it's a great gift. Uh, it's the guaranteed gift to be a hit, especially for those like me who have been slacking on their holiday shopping. Um, before we get out of here, guys, I know um, we're doing these abbreviated shows and things like that, but there, there has been some news around the league. Um, Let's start with the one that's ridiculous to all of us, I think, is the fact that Chapman signed for the Yankees for five years, $86 million. I don't care who it is. That's an obscene amount of money for a closer. Yep. I mean, you nailed it right there. That's ridiculous. It's. I know he's good. I know he's really good. And I know in five years when his velocity goes down, he's only gonna, his fastball's going to be, what, 99 miles an hour? So, like, I get it, but it's just... And I get it to the Yankees. They want to just shell out money to anybody, but it's just you waste so much money on a closer. On a closer, like I, I don't understand this deal. It makes me hate him even more than I already did. <laughs> cool. I'm already, I'm already terrible, and now you're gonna give me all this money. Come back, came back to the same stupid team he just got traded from just a couple months ago, and he goes wins the World Series even though he blew the game. Doesn't even deserve a ring. And then he goes back to the Yankees. He goes screw this guy. Like. Go away, go away, Yankees, go away, Chapman. And yeah, you know, I hope, I hope in five years, I hope his velocity drops to like ninety-three, like ten miles per hour off it. And when he's like thirty-three years old, and then he's terrible because you know a guy who throws one hundred and three miles per hour, if he loses any kind of velocity, even like five or six miles per hour down, he's going to be so much less effective. And I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like the guy. Did you guys guess that? I figured. I could tell. I don't think you like him. Um, it also helps your your argument that he's playing for the Yankees again. So another reason why yes. I hate him. Um, this guy, man, look, I understand he's good. I understand he's coming off a World Series, but all he does is throw the ball hard. Like, you don't pay a guy five years, $86 million. You can give him two years and obscene amounts of money in those two years, sure, whatever. Dude, you don't pay a clo- No closer in their right mind is going to be the same person in five years. Same player. Look at Jonathan Papelbon. Could you imagine if the Red Sox paid Papelbon this kind of money coming off the World Series? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it's stupid with Chapman. Yeah, you're right. He throws. He just throws hard. You can't sustain that. You're going to destroy your arm. He's going to blow something out. You know it's going to happen. I mean, he's been in the league for, what, seven years now? So at 12 years, there's no way this guy's throwing that hard. There's no way he's going to be durable. There's no way he's going to... His arm's not going to fall off. He's throws 103 miles per hour. That's not normal. Humans don't do that. <laughs> Except him, apparently. It's almost like a sales elbow. Last, I guarantee that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Lord knows how long that's going to last. miles per hour. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, I don't know where this is going to go. I, I just think that Chapman is kind of ridiculous to get that money. I don't blame him for getting the money. Like, why, if you're in the same situation, you take advantage of that and you get the money, right? You, you don't say no to that. So, um, definitely crazy what the Yankees are doing, especially because they kept saying that, you know, they're not, we're not going to try to keep up with the Red Sox. We're going to kind of take this slow. And then you sign him to this deal and then you sign Matt Holiday. I don't know what they're doing. Um, one, and saying in the division here, the Orioles were kind of funny this week, too. Um, and this kind of fell apart because Bautista wanted to come to the Red Sox, but the Red Sox said that we didn't have enough money for him, right? Um, you can kind of believe that, but still don't believe that. Uh, they just didn't want him. But the funniest thing was the Orioles was, and I don't know if you guys saw this, but the fact that the Orioles said they weren't going to sign him because the fans don't like him. <laughs> can you really let that like get into your mindset of if you want to keep someone or not? Because like, who cares about the fans? I mean, it matters, yeah, but like, you don't see that often. Okay, but would you yeah, be shocked the, if the Red Sox ownership did that? Yeah, we're not going to sign the guy. You don't, no one likes him. Yeah, I but they wouldn't that. do that. Like, yeah. I'd be really shocked if they came out and said that. Like, the yeah, they would. And oh, come was, on. They're all about their image. They wouldn't do that. I mean, what, what blows my mind I thought this was great for the like, Orioles' image. The fans must love that. Are you kidding me? They're, they're backing with the fans 100% with this. That's a great well, PR move. Maybe, but then you think about, like, you have those players, like, I'm going to use Bryce Harper. We all know I do not like Bryce Harper. Oh. But if he was on the Red Sox, I would love him. <laughs> I would, He'll be in the Yankees I, in a few it, years. It, it, you know, it's a, but it'd be like, it's kind of like that. I don't want, I hate Bryce Harper. I hate him as a person. I don't like his attitude. And I don't, I don't like, his, well, I don't really like his cockiness. But as a baseball player, he's amazing. And I would love if he was here. So it's kind of like. That kind of thing. I don't care if the fans don't like somebody. Get over it. If they're a good player, they're going to help your team, and you're going to benefit from them. Grow up and just sign him. Yeah, I think that's stupid. I think that if you're not going to sign him, you should not sign him because of his age, not because your fans don't like him. I agree. Grow up. Yeah, no. He, it's just ridiculous how that worked out. Um, and one thing I want I know we want to touch on quickly, especially uh, because we weren't all here last weekend. Um, and kind of see someone on a team. Um, where what what is going on with that? Because he was supposed to be the prize possession, everyone wanted him, and now Holiday's off the board, Beltran's off the board, Red Sox bringing Mitch Moreland over this guy. Where's he going next year? Because now it doesn't seem like him and Bautista, either of them, don't have a home right now, and there's limiting teams left who need these guys' services, including their own team in the Blue Jays. It makes you wonder, like, if there's something wrong with them that we don't know about, or if it's just kind of like all the, uh, you know, the starting pitchers that were available last year. It's like, who's going to be the first to go? Who's going to be the first to go? And then, you know, Granky signed. is kind of like a domino effect. And then, you know, Holiday signs. There's not really so much of a domino effect because two of the biggest players are still available. And it's kind of it's concerning because we know what they're capable of. We know that they can produce runs and they can just produce overall really well. And why they're not signed, especially if the Blue Jays need them, it's just... It's kind of mind-boggling. It is weird how good both of them have been for the Blue Jays, and now all of a sudden, like nobody wants either of them. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I, and don't get me wrong. Like, I would, I would love to have either one of them. I was one of the ones that it got. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was getting caught in the heat of the moment of signing Chris Sale. Um, I, when a lot of people were saying sweep the leg and bring Encarnacion in here too, all for it. I would have loved it. Um, but Mitch Moreland does make sense you know, for this team and what they're looking to do and what, whatever. But I think it's ridiculous that neither of you guys have a home because they would have fit well with all the guys, that they, all the teams that they were supposed to go to, you know, like Houston and all these teams. I'm just shocked that one of these teams didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, 
I'm surprised that neither of them have gone to a team yet. I'm definitely interested to see who they end up going to because you assume they'll be on some team at some point. So I, I guess hope we'll so. See. Yeah, you'd, it's like neither of them play next season. Nobody signed me. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's definitely the Mitch Moreland thing though. Going back to that because we really didn't even hardly cover that. I think that's a good move because you know he's 22 homers last year. Not a good average, but he's a good. He's a Gold Glove fielder and he's. You know, 22 homers, that's that's serviceable. I think that was a smart move, you know, a little insurance, try to replace Ortiz's numbers a little bit. I think that was a good move. Yeah, definitely a good move, and I think it's kind of an underrated move. I kind of think people kind of brush this off to the side and was kind of like, man, whatever, but I think he's going to do great here. I don't. I mean, he's not a power hitter, but he's gonna, somebody who's going to drive in runs and to hit home runs, and he's going to be what we need, and I think he's great. Well, he's here to hit against righties, and he's here to play the field. Um, he's a two, what career like two thirty hitter or something like that. I don't even know. Yeah, but it's not good. He's well. around there. Um, but he's brought in because now you have basically Hanley DHing, and then he'll flip flop maybe when Hanley plays first. I think Hanley's going to play some first base. Going back to that, I think Hanley's going to play some first base. Mitch Moreland's not going to be your everyday first baseman. Um, but that being said, it's nice to have a veteran Gold Glove in the locker room to take some of that pressure off Hanley and. When Hanley was a DH, he's, I don't know the exact numbers, and it's not a huge sample size, but when Hanley's a DH, he's pretty darn good at hitting the baseball. Um, so Yeah, his numbers were off the charts. So I can't imagine it's going to dip down too much because he's really good when he just focuses on hitting. Um, but the Mitch Moreland thing also real, makes you realize that they're really focusing on Pablo Sandoval. It really assures that. You're bringing in a guy to play first base. So Hanley DHs, that means Pablo's not going to be a DH. That means they're not going to trade Pablo or anything like that. They're riding on Pablo and Mitch Mullen on the corners with Hanley DHing, and that's what you're getting because you don't need much more than that to replace David Ortiz. Chris Sale is replacing David Ortiz. That's it. That's all you need to know, right? That's the way they did it. Yeah, it's good. It's it's a good move. It was a good day. Big flurry of activities. Sale's going to be huge. I mean, it was a good day. I mean, people are whining about losing too many prospects, and I say, who cares about prospects? Enjoy the players who are actually in the majors now who you know are good. That's, that's they're what gonna wins. win a World Series within the next three years, and then you won't care about your prospects, will you? <laughs> that's right. No, they won't. They'll forget all about those prospects next year. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun summer, guys, and we're obviously gonna keep track of it all here on Red Sox Speed, like we do every week. And written coverage will take care of you. Well, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, Facebook Red Sox Beat Podcast, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Uh, as listening to us on Stitcher, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. Don't forget our show was brought to you by uh, Omaha Steak and Audible. Um, and we'll be back next week uh, breaking down everything in the world of baseball and your Boston Red Sox for Lauren Campbell and Jess Thomas. I am Jared Scally. We'll be back next week. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio.